Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And amongst a few other things, such as discount codes to events and tools, you get early access to our upcoming podcast agenda and full replays. See you very soon on Venture Notes, venturenotes.co. Before we move into the show today, ActionDesk is the easiest way for startup teams to make better decisions with their data. With most business intelligence tools on the markets, you have to write SQL or learn a clunky interface. Tableau, Metabase, and the likes are powerful but complex to use. Exploring data and building new reports require a level of expertise beyond most business users, and it's not worth the time of engineering and data teams. ActionDesk makes exploring your database or data warehouses data easy. If you know how to use Google Sheets or Excel, you'll know how to use ActionDesk. Instead of uh, writing SQL, you can just use spreadsheet formulas. That is exactly what I really like about ActionDesk. You can access your data in a spreadsheet and give autonomous access to the company data to any business user in a no-code tool. If you're in operations, marketing, sales, or customer support and have a question about your business, instead of asking your engineering or data team, just answer the question yourself with ActionDesk and a few spreadsheet formula. With ActionDesk, you can answer in a few minutes questions like how much revenue did we have yesterday? What's our sales breakdown by region or supplier? How many deals entered a specific deal stage last week? How many customer requests take more than 58 hours to respond to? You will definitely love ActionDesk for its spreadsheets feel. You can try and test different things run small-scale analysis and access all of your database and data warehouse data live. Most of all, you will love the feeling of flexibility and power it gives you. So if you want to save time to analyze your data and make better decisions for your business, head to actiondesk.io to enjoy two months free and tell that you're coming from upcoming VC. Hi and welcome on the show. I am your host, Raf, and this is Runaway Series Originals by Upcoming VC the podcast that gives you the keys to understanding the venture capital mindset through discussions that shed light on the investor-founder relationship from the early stages to scale-up. Buying a product online these days is not only anymore about a great online shop design. Customers expect an end-to-end experience, including a great online shop, stellar customer service, and a unique unboxing experience. A study by Bayen Company found that about 60 to 80% of customers who are satisfied with the brand's offering do not return to do more business with the company that initially satisfied them. Quite surprising. Thus, offering a unique experience is more important than ever. Your vision of your brand must be channeled not only in your packaging but throughout the whole customer experience from on-time delivery to easy return and seamless payment options in order to increase brand loyalty. No one could not agree more with these statements that Hive, a German-based logistics platform for D2C brands, is making. Founded in Berlin in 2020 by Oscar, Franz and Leonard, Hive eases the fulfillment process for e-commerce brands via a software solution that provides customized analytics, forecasts, and suggestions, in addition to its own in-house logistics fulfillment centers. And I cannot be more excited to receive today in this episode Franz Perucker, one of the three co-founders of Hive, because we initially met with Franz about four years ago when he participated as an aspiring VC to our second venture capital investment challenge that we organized at Station F in Paris. Franz is only in his mid-20s but has uh, already an impressive background that has enabled him to develop unique analytical skills to run operations and strategy as well as unique insights 
about the challenges that D2C brands need to address to grow and scale processes while delivering a seamless experience on the customer front. In this amazing episode, Franz explains his key takeaways and learnings from his early career in consulting, banking, and as a D2C entrepreneur in Indonesia, the challenges that D2C brands meet, the contrarian product vision that the founding team at Hive built right from the beginning, how France and the founders were able to fast-track their fundraising rounds, how big you need to think when talking to later-stage investors and why long timelines matter, their ongoing international expansion, with a particular example of what France and Hive start to build in France, and many other fascinating topics and insights. I am sure you will love this episode, so enjoy it right now. In this first part, you will learn more about Franz's background and what unique insights he has been able to get about D2C brand's challenges. You'll also learn his three main takeaways for aspiring founders. Hey everyone, I'm Franz, one of the um, three co-founders of Hive. Um, Hive uh, is making e-commerce operations as seamless uh, as possible. We're building both um, software to connect your online shops um, and uh, ship your passes as quickly as possible and also provide actually the physical operation. So we are um, running our own fulfillment centers. Um, I personally grew up uh, in Germany, but then um, studied in Switzerland at the University of St. Gallen and spent a little bit of time with the um, technology investment banking team of JP Morgan in London um, and with a um, McKinsey strategy consulting team in Berlin before moving over to the um, entrepreneurial side. Um, my first sort of encounter with e-commerce operations, however, was way before um, all of these experiences. Um, as I spent um, a year in Indonesia, um, actually right after high school, so when I was 18, 19 years old, um, I was um, joining a government-funded government, a government funded, uh, voluntary service in Indonesia um, to teach English um, in a um, in a remote area of uh, uh, of the country, and as I had a lot of time in a in a, a village with bad internet, um, a lot of time uh, sort of uh, free freely uh, available at my hands, um, we started building a small business, producing and uh, producing and selling um, organic dried fruits. Very improvised business back then, but of course we also wanted to bring these products to Europe through a crowdfunding campaign, and that has worked rather well. So we, um, I think, um, had. Um, a product that was um, well received, for example, dried dragon fruits and mangoes, sort of these typical exotic fruits you can find in um, uh, find in um, um, uh, stores everywhere now. Um, and uh, that was, uh, I would say, a success story on the product market fit side. But then executing that operationally, and for example, finding the right delivery contract to ship cross border, uh, get the right uh, get the right price for last mile delivery, and also organizing your customs codes or your tariff codes that you need to get products um, outside of the country um, has been a tremendous pain um, and actually much harder than selling the product initially um, was then to get the products to the um, to the customers and um, although that business remained in a um, yeah rather small and improvised state it was more like a social um, project that took away uh, took away for me um, that um, becoming an entrepreneur might be quite easy initially, but then scaling something up and making operations um, work um, uh, work for a larger company is tremendously hard. Um, I did decide, as mentioned, to then go on to university and um, gain some 
experience on the um, uh, investor and strategy side to yeah sharpen how I look at markets to sharpen my uh, uh, to sharpen my professional toolkit so to say it's really about uh, quickly setting up analysis um, uh, uh, running uh, running me meetings in a high uh, super structured manner and uh, kind of this one-on-one -on -one toolkit um, um, after after the time in Indonesia um, all along all along the years then um, I was fortunate to meet more e-commerce entrepreneurs um, in my network. I have a couple of friends who started Shopify brands, often as a side hustle um, uh, on weekends and uh, late nights, but some of them turned, turned that into full-time businesses. Um, one, for example, is selling cosmetics. Another one is selling organic coffee. And as I observed um, these entrepreneurial journeys um, while gathering my sort of um, um, uh, um, strategy and analytics toolkit, I thought, hey, there's probably a pattern. There's probably a pattern um, in the problems these um, e-commerce entrepreneurs are facing that could be uh, could be solved systematically. And um, without going too much into the um, details um, of how we started Hive, um, then maybe it's good to share uh, my perspective um, of how the time at uh, JP Morgan um, and at McKinsey in between during a couple of months in Singapore, I was um, actually also working for Global Founders Capital back then as an investment intern um, that contributed sort of to the market perspective. I think it's good to share um, how that framed my um, initial look um, at, uh, at starting a company. I think um, one takeaway that was super, super important for me when looking at dozens of founding teams and following a lot of early stage um, venture, ventures very closely was that um, you do not need um, to have all experience consolidated in one person in order to build a successful tech company. Um, the power of complementary teams and being hyper aware of your strengths and weaknesses as an individual and where you need people to complement your own um, uh, skill set and also your personality traits um, is super important. And I think for young founders, it can often be overwhelming to, yeah, to imagine you need to represent everything in one person. Um, but this is not the truth. If you get strong complementary people that you trust, you don't need to represent every single skill and personality trait in one person. So the power of complementary teams is um, one takeaway that I got from looking at a bunch of other teams uh, starting their companies. Um, then a second takeaway, and I think in total there's probably three main uh, takeaways. A second takeaway is that you can win. Um, you can win in a competitive market through great execution and superior product development, even when you're starting a bit late. So you don't need to be um, first to market. You don't need to be scared by um, competitors, even if they already raised. Um, maybe two to 10 million and have a few percent of market share in your home market already. If you believe you have a strong team being able to perform at a more rapid pace and having a strong um, uh, product angle, um, amazing engineers and um, uh, some uh, uh, product dev or engineering um, wizardry in the founding team, or at least in the, in the early hires um, to make sure that you build features um, that are superior to your competition also, again, at a rapid pace. So then, of course, you need to be fast, um, but it works well, and you can actually learn from um, uh, looking at the um, 
product flaws um, of your competitors. So when you're interviewing, for example, um, customers to assess, to validate your idea, um, then it might even help if there's already um, some early providers out there in the market. Then um, third, last but not least, um, that uh, is also something I, I think um, easiest to learn um, uh, from the investor perspective. Um, many markets are so large um, and so fragmented yet um, that it's often not winner takes it all. I mean, of course, you have markets with strong network economies. Um, for example, uh, the social networks are, of course, the sort of most typical example. Um, if you um, uh, if you look at some parts of the logistics value chain um, where Hive is also sort of um, um, operating, um, for example, last mile delivery networks, so like uh, La Poste in France or DHL in other countries, there's also rather strong network um, network effects, and that might be tough uh, tough to fight against. Um, but many other markets um, do not have these um, uh, super intense network effects. And even if they are there, you can still capture significant parts of a fragmented market um, um, uh, um, as, a, as a young company. And that's just re-emphasizing, re, um, reinforcing the second point that you don't have to be scared if you're not first to market, as long as you believe you're building a great product. And I think that gave me a lot, um, a lot of courage to go out um, uh, to go out and start a company, um, even uh, even without having that one magical uh, that one magical um, perspective that no one has ever considered. Um, to be quite frank with you, and uh, maybe to anyone listening that is considering to start a company, if you are trying to solve a large problem, there's very good chances that some other smart people around the globe have already looked at that same problem too, and um, that means um, if there is uh, no one ever trying to do it, either you have very unique insights and very unique knowledge, which is great and which can happen, um, or if you don't have extremely unique um, uh, market knowledge, then maybe the problem is not big enough um, to solve uh, um, uh, to solve as a founder. In this second part, Franz gets into the details of the D2C space, what D2C brands need to address when looking to scale operations as they grow while keeping on delivering with a seamless customer experience. You will also learn about Hive's competitive landscape and their product vision. I think it's a no-brainer that e-commerce is growing. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of um, uh, number crunching needed for that. But um, what is um, worth a closer look is um, that direct to consumer as one part of the e-commerce landscape with also uh, with also um, marketplaces or large um, uh, large retail brands building up and um, building up online channels um, the uh, YD2C uh, segment is um, the fastest growing segment and what is driving that what the tailwinds are is definitely worth uh, worth a closer look so um, First of all, in the um, past few years, I would say um, within the past five years um, in particular, it has become um, very easy to set up a good online store, not just an improvised storefront, but a really 
good online store that is um, uh, adjustable and has integrated a lot of payment options um, and really great analytics um, analytics toolkits too, um, without any software development knowledge. So the um, sort of early website builders um, have started that trend. You might know Wix or Squarespace, nowadays Webflow. Um, and now, of course, there's um, the dedicated shop infrastructure players like Shopify um, or WooCommerce as, a, um, as an open source alternative with um, still a very high market share in Europe um, that um, enable empower entrepreneurs to get going very, um, very easily. Um, then a lot of entrepreneurs don't only have the toolkit to get going, um, they also see the value of um, staying um, direct to consumer um, for quite some time more clearly because marketplaces are increasing um, their commissions. So um, they are impacting um, uh, the margins of e-commerce vendors if you only sell through marketplaces. Um, and um, the um, value of um, having very um, close relationships with the end customers and increasing brand stickiness um, uh, increasing your capability um, to have individually yet automated um, uh, um, uh, marketing um, campaigns and really following up, staying in close sync with all customers, informing them about product launches, um, informing them um, through influencer um, collaborations um, has just yeah has just crystallized over um, over the past years. And then last but not least, um, not so intuitive but if you think about your online shopping behavior um i think it gets more clear that the efficiency um of marketing um in the space of long tail brands or rather premium or niche products um has become way more efficient through um instagram and uh tiktok uh, tiktok ads um it's super easy to target efficiently through influencer collaborations now there's even i mean there's even startups helping you to find the right influencer for a specific product or a specific target audience. Um, and um, it uh, has also become easier to um, communicate the value proposition of a premium and differentiated products, for example, through a... Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called VentureNotes, venturenotes.co.